Father, we thank you that Jesus has been raised from the dead. We thank you we've heard about the power of the cross. And because of the power of the cross, we are your children today. Father, we thank you that even as we talk about resurrection, that even as we have received Christ as Savior and Lord, we can begin to live also in resurrection life. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody shouted in this place and said, Hallelujah. Tell your neighbor, neighbor, I'm living in resurrection life. Tell them again, neighbor, I am living in resurrection life. Hallelujah. Pastor Ray, we want to say thank you for that powerful message on the cross. I feel so honored to preach after my dad and to take the baton from him and run for this last lap of the race. I pray to God that I do well and I represent the team well. I want to talk this morning just for a few minutes on the title Living in Resurrection Life. That Jesus died on the cross also talks to us about resurrection. I want to read from Mark chapter 16, reading from verse 1. And I'm going to read from the New Living Translation. It may be different to the one you have, but the meaning is the same. And do remember we have people who are coming back from the altar call. So when you see them walking around, please allow them so that they can take their seats as quickly as possible. Just please don't block their way. I read Mark 16.1. Saturday evening when Sabbath ended, Mary Magdalene and Salome and Mary the mother of James went out and purchased burial spices so that they could smear them on the body of Jesus. Very early on Sunday morning, just at sunrise, they went to the tomb. On the way, they were asking each other, who will roll away the stone for us for the entrance to the tomb? But as they arrived, they looked up and saw that the stone, which was very large, had already been rolled aside. When they entered the tomb, they saw a young man clothed in, white, in a white robe Sitting on the right side, the women were shocked. But the angel said, don't be alarmed. You are looking for Jesus of Nazareth who was crucified? He is not here. He is risen from the dead. Look, this is where they laid his body. Now go and tell his disciples, 
including Peter, that he is going ahead of you to Galilee. You will see him there. Just as he told you before he died, the women fled from the tomb, trembling and bewildered. And they said nothing to anyone because they were too frightened. We know now why as the Christian community we meet on Sunday. Because in those days, they used to worship on the Sabbath day. Well, to God, the day of worship is not the most important thing. What matters to God is a heart that worships. Jesus said, the hour is come and now is when true worshipers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. But for us to have this practice, this tradition of having church on Sunday, it's because Jesus rose on Sunday morning. The discovery of the empty tomb by the three women created shockwaves in Jerusalem and beyond. And even today, when you read about people who dispute the story of Jesus, many of them do not mind saying, yes, he was crucified. But many are skeptical about the fact that he rose from the dead. They ask the question, where did the body go? What about the story of these women? But the Bible does record as I'll be reading to you, numerous occasions where Jesus appeared. He appeared to the women. He appeared to his disciples. He appeared to the apostles, proving to them that he had been raised from the dead. We read in Acts 1-3, during the 40 days after his crucifixion, Jesus appeared to the apostles from time to time. And he proved to them in many ways that he was actually alive. We also see a similar record in Mark chapter 16, verse 14. The Bible tells us there that Jesus appeared to his disciples. We read as well in Luke chapter 24, verse 13, that there were two men walking on the road to Emmaus. And Jesus joined himself with them. They didn't know it was Jesus. They were actually talking about this story that was being talked about everywhere. If it was today, it would have been in the newspaper. It would have been a breaking story on television. It would have been a breaking story on radio about the empty tomb about the fact that the Jesus who was crucified on a Friday, when Sunday morning came, his tomb was empty. And these two were talking about that. And Jesus joined himself to them. But they didn't know it was Jesus. They only discovered later it was Jesus. And they commented, 
Didn't our hearts burn when he spoke to us? In John 20 verse 11, Jesus appeared to Mary Magdalene. And so the followers of Christ from that time, they went everywhere telling the story, publishing the story that Jesus is risen from the dead. Tell two people, the one on the left, the one on the right. Look at them and say, Jesus is risen from the dead. And so when you read the New Testament, you realize that the resurrection quickly became the central theme of the preaching of the disciples. And when they talked about Jesus being raised from the dead, it stirred up a lot of trouble. Because the religious leaders were trying to concoct a story. They were trying to come with a shwashwirized message. To say, it's not true. He didn't rise from the dead. It is his disciples that stole his body. And so, when the apostles preached, they made sure they mention it. And they say it, that Jesus rose from the dead. We find Peter preaching on the day of Pentecost. In Acts chapter 2 verse 22. He said, you men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, in verse 24 he says, whom God has raised up. Having loosed the pains of death because it was not possible that he should be held captive by death. You see, resurrection power shakes away the hold of death. Resurrection power takes you out of your grave. Resurrection power takes away everything that holds you back. And as you learn, as I'm speaking in this sermon, how the Bible tells us that the same resurrection power that raised Christ from the dead, it is the same power of the Holy Spirit that God uses in our lives. And so you and I, we can walk in resurrection power. You and I, we can live in resurrection power. You and I, we can experience resurrection power. And the reason resurrection power works is because Jesus is not dead. Jesus is alive. And if Jesus is alive, he can do the same thing that he did 2,000 years ago because he is not dead. He is alive. And so the disciples started preaching about the resurrection. Again, Peter preached after the healing of the lame man, the crippled man who was at the gate of beautiful. After Peter prayed for the man, and after the man got healed and he was raised from this condition. This is what Peter preaches in Acts chapter 3 verse 15. He says to them, you killed the prince of life whom God has raised from the dead, whereof we are his witnesses. And then, when he said that, the leaders of the day, they came against him, 
They argued with him. In Acts chapter 4 verse 1 and 2 it says, The priests, the captain of the temples, and the guards, and the Sadducees, they were greatly disturbed because the apostles were teaching people and proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection of the dead. Instead of Peter allowing them to intimidate him, instead of Peter keeping quiet about the fact that Jesus has been raised from the dead, instead of Peter keeping quiet about the message, he continued proclaiming the resurrection of Jesus. And in Acts chapter 4, verse 10, he says, Be it known unto you all and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God has raised from the dead, even by him does this man stand here before you healed and whole. Can I hear an amen? In other words, what is it that makes the name of Jesus powerful? What is it? What makes his name powerful is just Jesus is alive today. Jesus told us, wherever we gather together, two or three of us, in his name, he says, I will be there in the midst of you. We may not see him now. We may not touch him with our hands. We may not be able to hear his physical voice. But I am here to declare Orlando Stadium, Jesus is here with us right now. And the reason we can say that with confidence, with boldness, is that he still does what he did more than 2,000 years ago. And Peter said, this man who's been healed from his condition, it is not because of our holiness. It is not because of our goodness. But it is because of the name of Jesus. There is no other name more powerful than the name of Jesus. There is no other name that can heal the sick than the name of Jesus. There's no other name that destroys burdens and destroys yokes than the name of Jesus. And Peter preached and said, the reason this man stands here is because of the name of Jesus and because Jesus has been raised from the dead. What makes the name of Jesus powerful is just Jesus was raised from the dead. Listen to this. Jesus defeated hell. Jesus defeated death. Jesus defeated the grave. Jesus defeated Satan. Jesus defeated all evil. And because Jesus is alive today, his power is still effective even today. And so there are many more scriptures where the apostles specifically preached the resurrection. 
In Acts 13, 30, it says, by God has raised him from the dead. Acts 17, 31, it says, in that God has raised him from the dead. Romans 4, 24, it says, we will be made to have a good standing with God if we believe on him that was raised up from the dead. Romans 10, verse 9, it says, if you will confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. We declare his resurrection. Jesus has been resurrected. Now listen to this. The resurrection of Jesus became the turning point of human history. And it became the solid foundation upon which we build our faith in God. Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 14, he says, And if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is useless, and our faith in God is useless. What makes the gospel powerful what makes us, some of us, to preach it all over the world is because we realize the reason this gospel is powerful, the reason we believe in Jesus is because he was raised from the dead. Some years ago, somebody was arguing with me. And he was saying to me, Ah, no. I mean, what's the difference between Jesus and other people? And I said to him, you know what? I've had the privilege of traveling all over the world and preaching all over the world. I've preached in French-speaking countries. I've preached in countries where I didn't know what the language was. And what has always been funny to me and very interesting is, no matter where I go, Wherever I've prayed for people, or wherever we've prayed for people, it didn't matter what language they spoke. When we mentioned Jesus, and there were demons inside of them, those demons ran away afraid, because Jesus is alive. I told them, I said, okay, Angetiwena, you are saying so and so is powerful. Is now Messiah Cameroon? I said there is no other name but the name of Jesus. And the reason it's powerful is because Jesus was raised from the dead. And so the resurrection becomes the turning point. You may ask me, I hear what you're saying, but what does that have to do with me? I mean, Jesus was raised from the dead 2,000 years ago. So, what does it have to do with me today here in Orlando Stadium in 2016? Paul answers that question for you, and I want to spend the next 15 minutes telling you why resurrection is important for you. Paul says in Philippians 3.10, he takes the principle of resurrection and he applies it 
to his everyday life. Mamelang. Paul says in his prayer that I may know him. Philippians 3.10 That I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering being made conformable unto his death. Let me read it to you from a different translation. This is how it reads. Paul prays, I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering becoming like him in his death so that one way or another I will experience the resurrection from the dead. Tell your neighbor, I want to experience. Tell your neighbor, I want to experience. Tell them, I want to experience resurrection life. Now, let's explain that. How did Jesus get resurrected? What are the things that happened that led to resurrection? Paul is showing us that everything that Christ experienced applies to you. Watch this. Christ died on the cross as we heard through Pastor Ray preaching from the word. Christ was buried in the grave. Christ, number three, was resurrected. All these things, Mamela, is a picture of the process that God takes you and I through to lead us to a victorious life and a resurrected life. You see, when Paul says that I may know him and the power of his resurrection, he's saying, I want to live a resurrected life. I want to experience a resurrected life. Now watch this. Jesus was nailed to the cross. The cross becomes a place of suffering. The cross becomes a place of humiliation. The cross becomes a place of sacrifice. The cross becomes a place of trauma. Yes, of course, the cross becomes a place where God showed how much he loved us and how far God will go to get us. Note, we also experience our own cross. Our cross is not a wooden cross. We don't die on the cross in the same way Jesus died on the cross. Our cross is not the kind of cross that will save other people from their sin. But our cross is our experiences. In this life, we go through many crosses. In this life, we go through many troubles and many problems. In this life, we experience difficulties. In this life, there are times where it feels like you are pulling your cross around. You will notice that being a Christian does not mean you will live a trouble-free life. Being a Christian doesn't mean everything will work out good for you. Being a Christian doesn't mean that everything will be smooth for you. Some of you, your cross this morning is that you are unemployed. You've been looking for a job for a long time. You have the right qualifications. 
They should hire you. They always shortlist you. They always interview you. They always promise you. They are going to choose you, but they still don't choose you. That is your cross. Some of you, your cross could be a dysfunctional family. You are looking at the way your family is falling apart. You are looking at the way things are going on in your family. You put your hands on your head. You say, my God, what am I going to do? It is a cross that you are carrying. That even after you leave here and you go back home, you go back to a cold place. You go back to a place of fighting, a place of bitterness, a place of sorrow, a place where people don't love each other. Some of you, your cross could be your children who are breaking your heart. Your children, you labored hard to raise them. You worked hard to provide education for them. You became an example. You tried to show them the right way. But somehow they veered away into wrong things. Every day they come home drunk. Every day they come home high on drugs. Every day they come home and they steal things that you work hard for and sell them just to get a fix. It is your cross. Some of you, your cross could be your biological father. Ever since he brought you into the world, he doesn't want to have anything to do with you. He doesn't want to know you. He doesn't want to know you. He doesn't want to talk to you. He doesn't want to relate with you. He doesn't want to see you. Even if you've tried to follow him, you've tried to be nice to him, but he is not nice to you. We carry the cross. We carry the cross. And this is why we must connect this message to the cross of Jesus Christ. But watch this. The cross of Jesus led to him being buried in the tomb. The cross resulted in him being buried in the grave. Oh, some of us here today, our crosses have led us to the grave. You were once a confident person, once a person filled with initiative. You were once somebody who was strong in doing things. But watch what has happened to your life now. You are no more confident. You are no more your true self. You have withdrawn into a cocoon. Now we don't know the real you anymore. You are somebody who's afraid to try, afraid to relate, afraid to dream again. Some of you, the problems have caused you to bury your dream and your vision. You could have had a dream to be somebody, a vision to do something great. You could have had a dream to do something that is phenomenal. But because of the cross of life, because of the problems you experienced, here you are, you have walked away from your dream. Here you are, you've turned your back away from your dream. Here you are, you are afraid to dream again. As a matter of fact, this morning as I prayed at home, I became aware in my heart that in this audience, there's a pastor here. Sir, God was using you one day. There's a time when God used you mightily. You are flowing in the things of God. Flowing in the work of God. But something went wrong. You experienced the cross of life. And because of that, you have gone back into your grave. You've left the ministry. 
You've walked away from it. But the truth is, even if you have walked away from it, the call of God is not dying in your heart. I want to ask you, servant of the Lord, wherever you are, I will not call you to the front. I, want, I don't want to embarrass you. But I want to speak to you also as a servant of God. Please remember. Please remember. Please remember. Resurrection life will get you back on your feet again in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so Jesus was buried. Some of you, you are buried in solving one crisis after another. Buried in trying to deal with addiction. Some of us, it looks like we move from one problem to another. We are always in crisis mode. We are in the grave. Some of us have given up on life. We feel life is too unfair. We feel life is not fair at all. Why must I dream again? Why must I try again? Why must I try to move forward again? Things have not worked out in my life the way I was hoping. But I want to tell you today, there could have never been any resurrection without the cross and without the grave. God wants to prove to you one more time that no matter what cross you've experienced, no matter what grave you have experienced, God, by the power of Jesus Christ, will raise you up again. This is the only process that God uses to bring newness in our lives. See, on the third day, Jesus rose again. It's not enough to know that Jesus rose historically. We must personally apply it. And Paul says, I want to experience that resurrection life. Watch this. Paul understood what the resurrection life was. Because even if he served God, he had many problems. Even if he followed Christ, Paul had many problems. Let me read you some of his problems as I come to a conclusion. Listen what Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 22. He says, are they Hebrews? So am I. Are they Israelites? So am I. Are they descendants of Abraham? So am I. Are they servants of Christ? I know I sound like a madman, but I have served him far more. I've worked harder. I've been put in prison more often. I've been whipped times without number. I have faced death again and again. Does that sound like your life? Does that sound like you? Paul says in verse 24, five different times the Jewish leaders gave me 39 lashes. Three times I was beaten with rod. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. Once I spent a whole night and a day adrift at sea. He says, I have traveled on many long journeys. I have faced danger from rivers and from robbers. I have faced danger from my own people, the Jews, as well as the Gentiles. 
I have faced danger in the cities. I faced danger in the deserts. I have faced danger in the sea. I have faced danger from men who claim to be believers but are not. I have worked hard and long, enduring many sleepless nights. I've been hungry, thirsty. I've gone often without food. I have shivered in the cold without enough clothing to keep me warm. Then besides this, I have a burden and a concern for all churches. Who is weak feeling? Who is led astray? I do not burn with anger. He says, if I must boast, I would rather boast in that I am weak. Then it says in the next chapter, in verse 8, he says three different times, I begged the Lord to take it away from me. And each time I begged the Lord, God said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. And my power works best in your weakness. So now I am glad to boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ can work through me. That is why I take pleasure in weaknesses. I take pleasure in insults. I take pleasure in persecutions. I take pleasure in hardships. I take pleasure in troubles. I take pleasure when I suffer. Why? Because when I'm weak, then I'm strong. You see, at the point of your greatest weakness, that's where the resurrection power of God goes to work. At a point when Satan feels that he's had you for the kill, at a point when Satan is trying to push you out and destroy you, that is when the resurrection life of God is so strong. See, some of you, you are sitting next to somebody who has been shouting and screaming the whole day. And when you look at them, they look like they don't know what problems are. What you don't realize is it is not that they don't know the cross. It is not that they haven't experienced the cross. It is not that they haven't experienced the grave experiences. The only reason they are shouting is because they know what resurrection life is. Even though you've been traumatized, you know resurrection life. Even though you have been humiliated, you know resurrection life. Even though your family members have passed on, you know resurrection life. Even though you lost your job, you know resurrection life. Even though people curse you and malign you and abuse you, you know resurrection life. If you know resurrection life, give the Lord a shout at this house. Thank God for resurrection life. And Paul says that I may know him and the power of his resurrection, which means this. Even if I go through problems, even if I go through the grave, I will always depend on the strength of God. Because if it was not for God, I wouldn't be here today. You know, this morning when I was at home, I was thinking about it. I was thinking way back 1983 when I became pastor of this church in Isaacson Higher Primary School with 35 people as a congregation in a classroom trying to lead a church. 
afraid as anybody, scared as anybody, doubtful as anybody. And then I look to today, I look to yesterday, I look to Good Friday, I look at all of you, I look at Orlando Stadium. Because I remember when I became pastor, I experienced a lot of challenges. And some of you, you don't understand why the devil is persecuting you. You don't understand why you are experiencing challenges. You want them to go away. You want them to disappear. God says, no, they will not disappear. But you will rise above the challenges. You will rise above the problems. You will rise above the situations. You will resurrect again. And God says, it is those troubles, it is those challenges that are going to make you strong. And so today, I want you to know the resurrection life of God is on the inside of you. No matter what problem you have, no matter what challenge you have, look at that challenge and tell that challenge, greater is he that is in me. 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 Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. Look at the devil square in the face and say, Devil, I am not afraid of you. Devil, you will not take me out. Devil, you've tried me, but I'm not going to go down. I'm going to rise again because I can do all things. I can do all things. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. You walk in resurrection life. When people look at you, they think you don't have problems. When people look at you, they think you don't go through difficulty. When people look at you, they think you have a silver spoon in your mouth. Tell them it is not because I don't have problems, but it is because I have learned to survive above the problems because the greater one is on the inside of me. As you are about to pray, I've got two people here on stage. It's a couple, and actually it's two couples. One of the couples, the lady's gonna tell us her story. Her name is Lorraine. The reason I wanted them to come and talk is because I want you to realize whatever your situation is, resurrection life will bring you up. I want you to hear their story, and after they've told you their story, I'm going to come and pray in this place. Let this Sunday mark the turnaround of your life. Let today mark the day when you say, I am rising from my grave. Let today be the day where you say, resurrection life is in my life. The first one is Lorraine. Lorraine, will you come? She's in our church. She was in Midrand. She has been recently buried just two weeks ago. Hallelujah. And she's going to be in Pimville. Give Lorraine a hand as Lorraine tells us her story. Hallelujah. Any language is allowed. Thank you. Hallelujah. Just keep playing in the background. Hallelujah. I'm here to testify about the goodness of the Lord in my life. About three years ago, I received a call from my father. He said to me, Lorraine Mdanam, I've lost everything. He had lost his job. 
He had lost his cars. He had lost his houses. He continued to say, I even lost the house. My heart sank. I didn't know what to say to him. But then the power of God inside me whispered something in my ear. I said, Dad, all hope is not lost. Do not give up. The God in me will give me strength to carry you even in this time. He said, no, I can't. I can't face you. I don't know how to continue with life. He said, I'm, I'm deciding to take my life. I want to kill myself because Andy hasn't is Kanjan. I said, Dada, this is not the end. And I said, please give me until tomorrow. Tomorrow I'll be in Cape Town. Please wait for me, Dada. And then I was in Cape Town. He waited for me. I don't know what took over Bazalwane, but God gave me strength to encourage him. Today, Udadam has peace. He's got joy inside him. And I'm happy to say that he is alive. And two weeks ago, he was at my wedding. He was, he was there testifying about the goodness of the Lord. Hallelujah. Amen. Some of you, you may, you may want to be taking your life. You may be feeling depressed. Feeling that you want to end it all. But I'm here to tell you the name of Jesus has power. Yeboli namanda Yeboli namanda Yeboli namanda Ikam Yeboli namanda Yeboli Just the keyboard now. I'm going to be calling Mr. and Mrs. Kaba. Are going to come and tell us their story. Give them a big hand as they come. And after this, we're going to pray for you. Amen. Runa. Bazalan, we've been married for the past 10 years. And in the 10 years, we couldn't have children. We had gone to all sorts of doctors that gave us, given us different diagnoses. We couldn't have children. It was impossible for us to have children. Last year, February, um, we had attended the congregational meeting, Go Dobsonville. As we were praying and the bishop was praying, um, he then called out a person. He said, there's a lady here, you are married, um, you can't have children. And then he said the exact diagnosis that two weeks before then a doctor had said, confirming it would be impossible for us to have children. The bishop then prayed for us, and I remember when I walked away, he said, Go away, you will now have children. Over the 10 years, nothing had ever happened. I had never fallen pregnant, ever. And in May of last year, we were pregnant, and we discovered that we were pregnant in May last year. And, yeah, 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 yeah. Yes. And yes, because of the resurrection power of Jesus Christ, 
Today we have a son here. He's 11 weeks old today. All glory being to God. Yeah. Hallelujah. The name of Jesus works because he's been raised from the dead. No other name given to man. No church can heal anybody. No minister can heal anybody. Only Jesus. Jesus. The King of kings and the Lord of lords.